I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. Welcome to the Rebel Wellness Podcast, where we embrace a holistic approach to personal health and empower women to break free from the noise of today's diet culture. I'm your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this journey to becoming healthier, stronger, and more resilient in this life. If you found this podcast, you might be somebody who is tired of feeling bombarded with unrealistic body standards and conflicting health advice and just ready to rebel against the one-size-fits-all approach to wellness. This is a great opportunity and place to create a lifestyle that truly works for you. And I want to welcome you to your new home for everything health and wellness without any of those influences. Rebel Wellness is rooted in the belief that true wellness goes beyond just diet and exercise. It's about nurturing our minds bodies, and souls in a way that aligns with our unique needs and values. So if you are new here, I want to extend a very warm welcome. And if you are a ride or die, hello again. So happy that you have returned. Welcome back to this week's Hot Take Summer episode. I am your host, Kaylee, and I just want to make sure you know exactly what these episodes are all about this entire summer. If you haven't listened to any of the other ones, um, these are all of my professional hot takes on various hot button topics and sometimes like this episode, scenarios and situations that I have seen kind of recurring for those of us who are on a health journey. I'm kind of touching on all areas that I love so much as kind of like a multi-passionate person um, as far as nutrition and fitness goes, but I'm also kind of taking some time to spend good intentional space on the inner work that we have to do on the mindset. Um, It's sometimes a buzz phrase, I would say right now that everybody who's in the wellness space is like, I do nutrition and fitness and mindset. And like not to make fun of it, but in a way that it's almost overwhelming because it's amazing and beautiful to see a lot more people in this space that are embracing this like well-rounded approach to health and wellness, but I sometimes find that people are falling short in kind of the depth that is necessary to really get to those breakthrough moments that actually are game changers for people's health. And so that's where I'm kind of bringing in some of these conversations. If you've missed some of the episodes from my past that are a little bit more on the self-work, highly recommend you check out those episodes because they are big moods. I have gotten the most verbal positive feedback of all the episodes on that one, specifically the self-love episode, which is episode seven. That's more of the kind of true self-love conversation. And then episode 16 is a really good one for kind of adjusting and molding your mindset around your body. This is going to be a common conversation I'm going to bring up because it's one of the most passionate areas, I would say, especially working with females because it is literally what drives this industry, fortunately and unfortunately. Um, And I want to help be more of a voice that helps you see your body in a different light, helps you think of the macro scale, not such a micro scale, because diet culture and all these things that I always talk about, if you guys know me, that is something that I think is just overbearing. And it's totally taking control of our lives. It's just it's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole thing. I can't even put it into words. And so it's something that I really wanted to spend more time on. And that's why we're kind of sneaking this episode into this hot take summer, because I think it's really important that we talk about this topic. And what is that topic? The topic is the main way that we sabotage our health journey. And it's actually a lot of different things. So it's kind of an umbrella title because I'm going to talk about various ways that we actually self-sabotage or externally influence sabotage our health journeys. And it keeps us on this kind of hamster wheel of thing after thing after thing. And so I'm hoping that when you listen to this episode, you can come out of it with a lot more mindfulness and awareness around anywhere that you're holding yourself back or that you might be kind of falling prey to getting stuck on this hamster wheel and realizing that you do have the power to change a lot of that. And you do have the power to at least pause and be mindful about your next thought or action based off of becoming aware, you know, that's kind of the first step to making change for yourself. So I really hope that you come out of this episode with that awareness and even just 
some inspired thought for your own journey, because it's really important that you look at this big picture, because it's a little bit of a part that tends to keep people stuck trying to just do the fitness thing, trying to just focus and obsess over their nutrition and all these different areas that we feel like we have a lot of control over. But the hardest thing to control is our mind and our mindset and the narratives we've been taught and that we keep alive with our constant next thoughts, you know? So that is what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get into that, real quick, I just want to extend you a very warm hello. If you're a new listener and this is your first time listening, you're really jumping in on it (laughs) with this episode. But if you would like to connect with us, and please do come follow us on Instagram at Rebel Wellness Podcast or my flagship coaching page at Coach by Kales. I would love to say hello. Follow me on both or one, whatever you want to do. But also, I'd love to invite you to go to coachkales.com or my stand store, stand.store backslash kales, K-A-I-L-E-S, and you can join our newsletter. And it is a very mellow newsletter. It is going to be hand-curated, awesome things, all on those topics I just was talking about, nutrition, wellness, fitness, etc. And there's going to be some really exciting things that you would love to know about if any of these topics are kind of sparking curiosity in you and that you really want to work with me or at least learn from me with some of my educational materials I have coming out this next month of August and September and moving forward. The only way you can find out is by connecting in our community and our newsletter. So go ahead and join us there and you will uh, not regret it. I promise that. Okay, so heading into this topic, I am doing this again sort of off the cuff. So I'm going to try to keep all these thoughts concise because I could probably go on a million different soapboxes at once on this topic. And so um, just hang with me here. We're going to do the best we can. I think I've sorted out these thoughts as best as possible. But also, too, if you recognize anything that you'd love to share with me for yourself um, that either this conversation has helped you realize or something else that you would like to add to the self-sabotage list that I'm going to talk about. Um, I'd love to hear it. So definitely shoot me a DM on any of those Instagram pages and I'd love to hear your thoughts, but I want to make sure that you know that this can be a big, broad topic with a lot of things going on. So stay with me. Okay. But I will add, stay to the end of this chat because I'm going to be touching on some things that you may not even realize are self-sabotaging your health journey. And it's something so freaking common these days that it's so common, but it is not good or normal for your brain or in my opinion, professionally and personally uh, for your health journey in general. I have seen it single-handedly derail or slow down my clients so many times, guys. So stay tuned all the way through and you're going to know exactly what I mean. And if you are somebody who is currently doing that or who has done that, do not feel personally victimized. Like I'm not trying to attack you. It's just something to bring some good awareness and hopefully invite you to kind of stop that action sooner than later. And then you will probably actually start to see progress with yourself. (laughs) So let's go into this topic now. Let's start with kind of this self-inflicted stuff. So here's the situation. You are somebody who has started your health journey. You're starting to kind of learn some skills, practice some skills. Maybe you're starting to follow calories. Maybe you're going even deeper and trying to do macros. You could also just be following a workout program, or maybe you decided like the easiest thing for me to do is follow Whole30 and do Orange Theory. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've seen like friends or people I've known um, do that route or clients before they have come to me, (laughs) try that route. And they're basically kind of, again, like on this really not well thought out fitness journey, but it seems like it is, or not fitness journey, but health journey. It seems like they're doing the right things because they assume that with Orange Theory, they're going to be 
burning calories like crazy. At least they're doing a little bit of strength. So maybe they're building muscle. And then they think, okay, I'm going to follow this very restrictive diet plan that like people swear by that they lose so much weight on and yada, yada. So you're going into this huge deficit with your nutrition and you're going like balls to the wall with this fitness program. And then you get to the point where maybe you hit the eight pound mark and you're stuck. Maybe life throws a wrench in your plans and now you're kind of just eating a bunch of pizza and other stuff because something went wrong with your kids, like school plans and they're stuck at home or, you know, various things. They're sick and you can't take care of your food the same way. So you're like, screw it. I'm just going to eat this stuff because it's what they're going to eat and I don't have time. You know, there's so many different reasons that we get derailed from restrictive programs, hence why I don't like restrictive programs. Um, I'm whispering into the mic, but this mic is so good because it's a blue Yeti or whatever, and it picks up everything. (laughs) You do that, right? And then you fall off. And then maybe you gain eight pounds or 10 pounds or 12 pounds back afterwards. You're feeling shitty about yourself, feeling shitty about yourself going along life. Oh my God, my friend just told me about this next thing. You got to try it. It worked for her. It probably going to work for me. I might as well do it because I hate my body. I don't like how I look. I feel icky, blah. Same goddamn thing happens again, right? You hit a wall, you can't stay on it, and you're feeling shitty about yourself. You're feeling bad. All right, I need the next thing. I need the next thing. I need to find a different solution. This is clearly not working for me, so I need to find something better. I need to find a different trainer. I need to find a different nutritionist. I need to follow this person. Okay, this person on TikTok looks really knowledgeable. I'm going to do their program that they're selling for $500. That didn't work for me for longer than two months. Oh, let me throw in, maybe I should do Ozempic. Maybe I should just go get lipo. Maybe I should get a BBL. Okay, now does it also sound relatable? You're not alone. First off, I'm gonna start with that. We have all had this kind of really obnoxious hamster wheel of finding solutions, half-assed trying them, maybe full-ass, but it's never gonna work long-term because none of those things actually want you to be able to sustain them long-term because it doesn't make money and it doesn't inspire short-term like rah-rah and then drop off because nothing can. Long-term stuff isn't sexy. Long-term stuff is never sexy. My programs are not as sexy as a lot of these trainers that put all these fake stuff up on their Instagram, Photoshop their clients, or just show like this client, this client, eight weeks difference. In reality, it's eight months. They do that all the time, guys, because it makes sales. And sometimes they even steal photos from other trainers' pages. And so it's icky. It's an icky world. So you have to be very careful about that stuff. But before I go down that rabbit hole, these are situations that are extremely common because it's just how our culture is. We're quick fix world. We're Amazon everything. We want everything right now. And I'm even somebody who falls prey to that because like, not like I'm perfectly good at everything with health just because I'm a wellness coach, but I have to be so intentional about the way I think about my own health and being realistic about my actual dedication and just everything around my health journey. Because if I'm not real, I go down this rabbit hole of like next big thing, next good thing. Got to find a solution. This one's obviously not working, you know, and I completely get it. So I want to make sure that you know from the start that if this kind of situation or story resonates even somewhat, it's not just you, it's everyone. And it's how the world is set up right now, especially if you're somebody in the United States, because we're so fast paced and there's just a lot of money flying around and just a whole bunch of stuff is going on. So with all of that said, this is your opportunity to finally Step back and observe this happening to yourself. Observe every time that you recognize something that you're doing to sabotage your health journey or something that is infiltrating your little happy health journey world and derailing you or confusing you, you know, which those could be the same thing. And what I would recommend you do when you observe these moments, and I'm going to continue to give you a little list of some examples of things that we do, but When you're observing them, the true definition of being mindful is looking at a thought or an action without judgment. So you're observing something you thought or you did with no judgment. 
You're just looking at it and being like, why? Why did I say that? Why did I think that? And honestly, especially because this is dominantly a female uh, audience and conversation right now, (laughs) um, this 100% happens to all humans, but I'm speaking specifically to my ladies here. You're thinking about not only what is going on in this moment that influenced it, but my list starts off with where am I on my cycle? Everybody who follows their cycle and is learning their cycle knows this is like so fucking true. Like I have to use some uh, explicit language in this conversation just to be really real. Because when you really, when you're naturally cycling, first off, this is harder for those of you who are on like contracept, oral contraceptives um, or artificial hormones for birth control. Or if you're postmenopausal, you're kind of at a different, you're in a different planet over there, but not in a bad way. Actually, you're more balanced at that point. Um, But for anybody who is not natural cycling, I will just say this, that sometimes the way that your body, depending on how consistent you are, if you're taking like pills or if you're running out of the hormones, the active hormones in your IUD, um, or if you're having too high of a dose of your hormones in your arm implant or your IUD, those are all going to affect your mood and such as well. Um, so understanding that a lot of that does actually still, those hormones, fake hormones still play into this concept of naturally cycling. But coming back to our natural cyclers, when you are in any part of day 21 and on any part of your luteal phase until you're done bleeding, you're probably going to be in a really interesting headspace. So I would say it's comical because a lot of my clients, every time that I ask them that question, when we're talking about like reflecting on something they're going through right now, or they're having more um, body dysmorphia and challenges in that zone. Um, And even for myself, they almost always say, oh, I'm on day 23. Oh, I'm on day 26. I should be starting my period any day now. Most of those things are always centered around that. I don't think I can recollect anybody having these outward uh, verbal issues with their body in the first 14 days of their cycle. (laughs) So anything in the follicular phase, you are typically feeling like focused, dedicated, energetic, sexy, whatever. Then you come into this latter half of your cycle and you're just like, all hell breaks loose and you hate everything about yourself. And that's normal. It's, It's bound to happen, especially because as your body is preparing to, to bleed and everything, you are retaining more water. So you've naturally you feel fluffier. That contributes to you feeling like, oh, my clothes don't fit. I must be getting fatter. So do know you're always just going to be putting on water. doesn't mean you're getting fatter. Your size is changing. Your mass is changing just because you're retaining actual water. <laughs> that is normal. Um, but also at the same time, your sex hormones shifting around so much, depending too on whether or not you are balanced with your hormones, or if you're in an imbalanced state, some of these emotions will be very heightened in this time. And this is the worst time to believe your thoughts about your body. And I'm going to say that again for the people on the back. Luteal phase is the worst time to actually believe thoughts you are having about your body. I was having a conversation with one of my clients the other day where we are trying our best to actually just observe and not assign too much validity to any of her um, body dysmorphia or negative self-talk during this part of her cycle, because we've observed that it totally heightens in this time um, every single month. And it's not beneficial for her personally and for any of you listening, because it's a time where we're not really thinking straight and not in a way to disown our real feelings because we probably are actually experiencing real actual thoughts, but whether or not those thoughts are as true is a whole different story. So it can give you a great opportunity to find recurring patterns. What are you consistently unhappy about? You know, is this something that truly needs some help? Like if you are consistently feeling like, oh, I just have so much belly fat, you know, I've been kind of not taking good care of myself or something like that. You know that you've been just not eating well, maybe you're eating fast food too much, or maybe you're snacking on processed things too much, or you're drinking too much. I mean, nowadays, especially like the easiest thing that we do, especially as females, since we've never actually drank as much alcohol as we do now in any other time in history, in the sense of we drink really powerful liquor now because we have 
perfected ways to make everything more uh, accessible. <laughs> and we drink a lot more liquor with cocktails and things. Historically, females would mostly drink wine. And only since I believe it was, I had seen a graph about this because I was very curious. It was after, I want to say like the 20s or so is when we started having more of a spike of female drinkers. And it increased and increased and increased since then as more women took on full-time jobs the same way that the males of the household would. And as alcohol became more and more accessible and more and more accepted because it also wasn't very quote unquote feminine housewifey to consume a lot of alcohol the same way, hard liquor, especially the same way that males did. So in reality, we've only really had maybe a hundred years where women have been consuming alcohol the way we are now. So we're seeing a lot of different metabolic things come from that as well. So that's a whole different thing. We'll get into that more when I talk about the alcohol stuff on another episode, but it's important to understand that those habits will become obvious physically that they're out of hand. You will start to see a lot more belly fat when you're consuming a lot more processed foods and more alcohol and you have high stress. So if that's kind of your lifestyle and you know what's going on, that's a good time where those thoughts that you're having are not probably just your hormones, (laughs) but that's a good opportunity to mindfully, again, without judgment, sit back and think about it and observe what actionable things you can do that are going to actually support you feeling better about that. So maybe you decide as you've noticed, those thoughts keep coming back around every month. And again, they don't even have to be coincided with your cycle. That's just something I have almost always seen to be the time frame where you get a lot more introspective and a little more self-loathing. <laughs> so I wanted to point that out so that those of you who are naturally cycling can start to become mindful of that because it is so helpful to be like, oh, I'm almost on my period. You know, as generic as that statement is, and I know a lot of um, people who are more on the feminist side don't like to make that a quote unquote excuse, but in reality, it's kind of more of a reason and we have to embrace that because it is a really true natural thing that actually is like scientifically backed that we have hormonal shifts that influence our mood. So A, you're not crazy if you have huge hormone imbalances and it's causing extreme mood swings. So no, you're not crazy. And B, it is just a real thing. So embrace it. Like I know guys like to like throw it back in our face when we're being saucy and stuff. But in reality, like for me with my fiance, I just tell him like warning sign, I am heading into the latter half of my cycle. And he like knows what that means, you know? And it's just a communication thing because I want that to be well known. But again, so with that said, when you are experiencing that, first observe that, then observe the actual thought. Then I would say, An easy way to think about it is look at what habits am I consistently doing or not doing that I'd like to add or subtract in my day to day that will get me closer to next month feeling a little bit better and then the next month feeling even better. And it's never going to be perfect. So that's also like something if I could take a quick moment to state is that any of us who tend to measure ourselves against some concept of perfection will literally never achieve it. This is something that maybe a lot of us hear, but we don't actually listen to. You cannot achieve perfection because perfection quite literally is something that should never be achieved unless it's our kind of artsy pseudo way of thinking of perfection. (laughs) Like our partner is perfection and reality is like, he's kind of got a lot of nose hair, you know, something like that. But I want to say that you will never achieve perfection and you don't need perfection to achieve your optimal health, wellness, physique, whatever it is that you really truly desire, because that's not on the requirement list. But almost all of us use not achieving perfection as our best scapegoat for falling off track or giving up altogether or feeling a lot more negative talk. Because somewhere along the way, when we were younger, somebody taught us in our family, or we observed it with TV or friends or who knows what, that having this really perfect health routine and hitting all your workouts every week and making sure you're on top of your nutrition every single day and not having a slip up, that's the only way to achieve perfect health. And in reality, we've actually studied people who eat clean and work out too much 
tend to, to have negative health benefits when they stay too rigid on that lifestyle for too long. It benefits your health to have treat meals, some breaks where you take a whole week off of weightlifting. Those are also called deload weeks if we're being specific, um, aka vacations, you know, times where you let your body rest and get off of the normal routine. If you are way too regimented, odds are something isn't right <laughs> with some area in your health. And so it is important to understand that the actual picture of perfection for your health is not necessary. We do not need it for you to achieve anything. Okay. So I literally cannot tell you enough how many people sometimes just need me to remind them constantly that you don't need to be perfect right now. You're doing the best you can and you're doing a great job. So if you needed to hear that right now, I extend that to you because it's important to understand you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be perfect. You just have to do the next best thing the next moment you think about it. So you think about, oh, I haven't even worked out all week. Go walk outside. Just go do it. You know, take a little 20 minute walk, do some breathing, maybe throw on a yoga workout if you want to, if you're into yoga, or just grab your bag and take your butt to the gym and just show up. You know, the odds are if you show up to the gym, you're going to do your workout of some sort. You're never going to regret it. There's hardly anybody who regrets showing up to the gym or getting a workout in. Uh, my clients and I joke about this all the time. And I will tell you, like I have the gambit. I have people that are really gung-ho and ready to bust out their workout. And then I have people who will whine to me the entire session until the end or they're like, yeah, I feel great. <laughs> and so both of them end up in the same spot. Like one didn't perfectly show up all gung-ho for the workout, but they did it and they got it done and they're still progressing in comparison to themselves that time last year, you know, just the same as the person who is constantly showing up ready for the workout to smash their workout every single week. So that's just another example. You don't necessarily have to be perfect. You just have to get it done. You just have to do the thing. That's going to be like my remake for Nike. Just do the thing. <laughs> So recapping on that, as you explore your own versions of self-sabotage, and I'm going to kind of inspire your mind with a couple of other options here in a second with a little list I made of some ideas, but do take a moment to acknowledge it, pause, think about it, become mindful about it, and go through your little list that you find unique to yourself that you know you have to ask. And the first question can be, what part of my cycle am I on? Second question can be, is there anything that I can kind of like recollect might be influencing this? You know, was it something that my mom always said to me? Was it something that I just saw on Instagram? Was it something that I heard off of some magazine is the only healthy way to lose fat. You know, where did this thought process stem from, especially when it comes to sabotaging your health journey? This isn't for everything in your life. I mean, you could probably apply this to other areas, but I'm specifically talking about getting yourself off that hamster wheel of dissatisfaction with your health journey. So think about those things first. So you can kind of identify like, is this actually true? Do I know for sure that it's true? And maybe is there a different way I can think about it or go about it that can work for me versus what I've been taught? You know, those are all good thoughts to have. Um, but it really starts with pausing in that moment and just being like in the middle of researching liposuction. Why am I doing this? Is this actually the best thing I can do for myself right now? Like is actually getting somebody to suck the fat out of me and have these big uh, jack-o'-lantern scars on my lower abdomen really worth it for the long run? You know, my opinion, no, because liposuction is one of like the highest risk elective plastic surgeries you could get. It's very invasive for your body and very aggressive on the body. Um, and it's kind of honestly insane that we even just think about being okay doing that to our bodies just to look a certain way, you know, but God forbid we spend time taking care of our mental health and that let it, let that trickle down into taking care of feeding ourselves better and building a better relationship with our body and movement. You know, that's the worst thing ever because it just takes a long time, but it has the highest return in the long run. Whereas anything that's quick fix and short term, like Ozempic or Lipo or Whole30 or uh, whatever that 
that something 49 hard, 79 hard. She's like, that's how much I paid attention to it when it came out that I can't even remember the name of it because there's so many versions of overtraining and working people like to get some crazy results that if it's that crazy that fast, it's never going to last. And I will say that to the ends of the earth. If anything was achieved too quickly, it's never going to last because you got there too fast. So um, it's again, I'm just spitting some unsexy truths right now, but it's just the truth, you know, unfortunately. Okay. So I hope that that part was helpful for you. And there's a lot more that goes into the after process because as you identify things, then it's like putting it into implementation. Sometimes I like to just think that if you are rabbit holing down, searching for the nearest med spa for some fat loss injections or searching for the best surgeon in the area for this or that, you know, or looking for the best trainer that has all these like skinny women on their page and like to beat you down and whatever, you know, there are great trainers out there. I mean, I I am a trainer. I've been a trainer for 10 years, but at the same time, my clients that never make any progress or change are stuck in this headspace of negative self-sabotage. They're always looking for something else And then they end up getting to the point where they just give up on their actual health habits and get back on that hamster wheel of trying the next quick fix fad diet thing or quick fix, you know, pillar surgery, like I said, um, and just riddled with uh, negative self-talk. If you feel like you're not making any progress with yourself, if you feel like you're following a health coach or you're following a trainer or you're following some fitness classes or you're following a nutrition method or something that some nutritionist made you, you know, and you feel like you're not making any progress, observe how much you do this hamster wheel thing where you get totally stuck looking for something else or something to add that maybe that nutritionist didn't tell you to do, but it's going to catapult you into success because that's what this other person said it did, you know? And that's the perfect time to segue into this next chapter of (laughs) conversation on some of the other ways that we uh, self-inflict or are externally influenced by health sabotaging things. So one of them is, well, we kind of talked about it a little bit, would be following strict fad diets and doing the yo-yo thing. Um, yo-yo dieting is one of the worst things you can do for your body. Anytime that you are restricting yourself for a long period of time, then overeating too much and then restricting and then overeating, it's really stressful on your organs. And a lot of people don't talk about that a lot, but anytime your body size itself is gaining, losing, gaining, losing, that's really stressful on your internal organs, not your external, your external too. I mean, that's why skin loses elasticity. Um, and boobs get saggy and stuff like that. But for the bigger purpose, you actually don't want to be influencing your organs in that way because they have to adjust to the homeostasis of the mass of your body. So as you get larger, they have to work harder for different processes because you have more mass, you have more blood that needs to flow around, you have a lot more work that's going to be on your heart, on your liver, you know, all that stuff because you're probably also consuming more volume of food and things like that. There's a whole lot of other processes that go into it, but you get larger then you under eat or you do some sort of crazy diet, who knows what you do and you under eat and then you lose mass and you get to a really small state again and smaller isn't always better. (laughs) And then you stretch yourself back out again and you get large again. It's very tough on the organs and that does actually take years off your life um, as according to scientific studies. So it's better for you to not yo-yo size to size as best as you can if you want to continue on the long-term goal of having a healthier, longer life. It's better for you to honestly stay in a body fat percentage that is actually healthy, but you may not super love the way it looks. Like you could be in that person that's like, I could lose five to 10 pounds of fat. You know, if you're in that state, you're probably in the healthiest state that you could be. And in reality, for a female, um, I am constantly having to remind my female clients that their skinniest state or their thinnest state is probably and was probably not their healthiest state. Um, Because I know for freaking sure for myself that my skinniest states ever in my life were all because of either lost love. It was like breakups, you know, and I wasn't eating. So I was starving myself. Or I actually didn't even know that my birth control I was on had burdened my liver so badly that I wasn't processing and absorbing nutrients properly. So I got to this really thin state plus with also like 
hyper fixating on eating quote unquote, really clean and healthfully, even though it's just kind of probably under eating. But I didn't realize that I was stuck in this body weight for the better of a year and a half or so, because I was very consistently taking oral contraceptive pills at that time. And um, I remember everybody saying like, oh, you look so thin. Like what's going on? Like, oh, like I remember my best friend was like, my mom noticed you look really thin and stuff. Like, what's the deal? And I was like, I'm just working out and doing this consistently. But I actually wasn't even doing as much as I should have. And then I learned later in life that it's very much due most likely to the fact that my body was um, not absorbing nutrients because that is one of the really unsexy side effects of oral contraceptives or any fake hormones being put in your body in general. It can go many different ways. Some people put on a lot of weight from like inflammation and being kind of backed up with toxins, which is not great either. Or it could go the way of like what I had for a bit where it was, I wasn't absorbing any nutrients and, or not any, but a lot less. And it was keeping me in this kind of gaunt, really thin state. And so all that to say, the main times, all the times that I've been very thin, quote unquote, was because I was being hyper fixated about my food or not eating at all. And even if I could fit into zero size pants that one time in high school, I was literally dealing with like heartbreak and stuff. And so it was like, hmm. Yeah, maybe in pictures, I looked very small and whatnot, but that was for sure not my healthiest state. And I've had so many friends and clients share with me that they realized that their leanest, skinniest state was not actually their healthiest self self either. So do remember that and maybe explore that for yourself if you do that same thing. And like think very, very raw and like realistically with yourself about where you were at. Were you working your ass off at work and not eating? Were you raising kids and eating very erratically? Were you running every day because that was one of the only ways that you had some control over something in your life and it gave you like an escape? You know, whatever it is, there's probably a reason you are a lot very, that's, that's very small, not healthy to maintain size, hence why you haven't maintained it. And you probably should never go back there in reality. So That's something really, really, really important that I want you to understand. And I hope some of that might resonate with you because, um, yeah, it's it's crazy how much uh, we sabotage ourselves by thinking of ourselves like in our thinnest, quote unquote, thinnest state from like high school years and stuff. And it's like, do do you remember you were like starving, girl, like you didn't eat anything or you were just crying yourself to sleep and, you know, whatever it was like it just wasn't probably actually your healthiest state. So that is a huge way we self-sabotage. I want you to think about that whenever you uh, do that. And then just remember all those things. Another thought pattern that we tend to do, like adjacent to what I just said, is doing well on trying to nourish yourself or learn how to better nourish yourself. Maybe you're starting to get into some weightlifting. Maybe you're doing some other fitness classes. Maybe you're hiking more, whatever it is. And then you put on a dress, you put on some clothes, you look at yourself in a picture, somebody got the bad angle because there's a ton of bad angles. Anybody, and I love that Instagram has actually been doing a better job of more people showing themselves at bad angles and then also showing them at good angles to show you like, hey, I look bad at bad angles too. Like that's what a bad angle is. Um, It's not an excuse. And I don't like that there's like toxic mentality around like, Oh, but if I was just thin enough, any angle is a good angle. And it's like, no, that's not fucking true at all. So the thought process that you might go through is like, oh my God, I looked so bad in these pictures. That's it. I'm going to starve myself and just run and lose weight as fast as possible. I'm raising my hand right now. I've done that twice. Um, The first time that I remember doing that the most was when I went off birth control and had an estrogen dominance situation where I gained fat like crazy. I've shared this story before on some of my previous podcast episodes. And be- even through following like macros and stuff, I didn't realize how bad it was just very hormonally driven with stress and at, like too much estrogen. That was a scenario that no matter how much I starved myself and ran, was anything significant going to move? Because my body was like, nope. 
we're doing a thing. I'm depositing fat. You're highly stressed. Like we're just going to do that because that's what estrogen and cortisol do together. They deposit fat and they will literally take even like deficit seeming calories and deposit fat. Like that's the fascinating and disappointing world of the female body. Guys who just say it's just calories in, calories out have no idea the power of the weirdness of the female body and hormones, um, especially modern metabolic situations nowadays. We have a lot of very unique metabolic diseases that are getting studied more now, but that's for another chat. Anyways, so if you are a person who's done the starve myself and run, you will very quickly understand that you're going to immediately plateau because yes, you just can't not eat and burn calories like that. Plus cardio does a very unique reaction in the body where it pairs down muscle, quote unquote, where it means that you're going to stop building muscle because the more muscle you have, if you're running, the more extremely metabolically active you become, which means that you're burning too many calories for what you are expending, especially if you're not consuming very many calories. Therefore, your body is in a risk state for dying, essentially, because you're going to be burning way too much in comparison to what you're consuming. So that's why cardio people, all the running athletes, swimmers, etc., have to eat calories like up the wazoo because they are burning calories so fast with the way that cardio works. So you're going to inspire hunger because that's how cardio works, especially for the female body, because we really want, our bodies just really want to preserve fat. Um, and then you're starving yourself by not eating enough. So you're just going to get really hungry and really, really hungry. And then you're going to plateau within, I would give it not more than a week. You can't keep up with that for that long. And if you can, then there's a lot more stuff going on that I would encourage you to work on potentially with maybe a professional, any therapists or specialists in that zone. But um, yeah, it's very important to know that if you're somebody who yo-yos back and forth between the, oh, screw it, I'm just going to eat whatever I want and exist to the, oh, I've let myself go. I'm going to starve myself and run. If you're going back and forth between that, there's something that is really infiltrating your mindset. And I really encourage you to kind of dig deeper with somebody and talk therapy is one of the best ways you can. And especially with a trained professional, because that is uh, one of the best ways to get to the root of those things, because you, you got to break out of that. It's, it's similar to binging and restricting. There's some sort of um, control and lack of control that is going on. And when you are not honoring yourself and listening to your body's cues or knowing what it needs and giving it it, such as rest or a little vacation, which is rest, obviously, um, or more nourishment or, you know, less movement or maybe some more movement, you know, if you're not listening to your body, it's going to start giving you this weird back and forth where you're going to feel out of control. And then that makes us tend to spiral out of control as well. Um, or technically spiral into trying to control, which is where we get into this binge and restrict pattern, typically, not always. Um, but from what I've experienced with my clients and or like overtraining and things like that, it's kind of a similar way. It's like binging and restricting is applicable to food and to fitness or anything in the wellness space, because sometimes too, we'll be like, <laughs> I'm just going to do my face masks and my green tea in the morning. And then do some yoga and be very zen and la, la la be very healthy, not drink at all. And then all of a sudden you get tired of it. Weekend rolls around, you're drinking, you're staying up late, you're scrolling on TikTok, you know, that's another version of like binge and restriction. And that's just because you haven't established yet a happy medium of being okay with a routine that is probably a balance of both things, you know? And again, that's where we get into that perfection zone where we really need to remove the desire and need to be perfect to think that we are acceptable in achieving health or maintaining health, you know, our best health, because everybody's got health. We're all alive. <laughs> health is the absence of being alive. <laughs> so just know that that is really important to observe for yourself and is definitely one of the main things I've seen for self-inflicted self-sabotage and also we get influence from watching other people go through it or encourage it as well from the way they talk about it or the way they talk to you about it and more.
Okay, so I would like to finish out this kind of little example list, I would say, of things um, as the external influencers that we actually get a lot more control over than we think. So one of the main things is people, other people. So if you have those friends that are super like really obsessive or a little too like gung-ho on this method of living. So they're always that friend that's like, I'm trying this new diet. I'm trying this new spin class. I'm doing this thing. You know, I'm taking this pill. Uh, If you have friends like that, you might want to either dose them out. So see them less if it's totally throwing you off or literally it's okay to communicate with them and ask them to not talk about that stuff with you. Just say that, hey, you know, I'm really not so interested in talking about Uh, anything to do with my health, I'm on a good program right now. And I'd like to, you know, stay focused and not be distracted. You know, that's totally fair. And we have to get more comfortable about having those conversations and putting up those boundaries with our friends, especially if it's somebody that we care enough to keep around. You know, if you don't care enough, don't keep them around. (laughs) If they're going to keep derailing you, they're probably not a good friend. And having volumes of friends is not the same as having quality of friends. So that's something to look into as well. But just know that it's okay to have those conversations and boundaries with your friends. And if they love you the same way you love them, then they should understand. And if they don't, it's just going to show you their true colors and then you can kind of move forward. But that's something really important to know is that there will always be people in the world who are going to try to push you into the camaraderie of doing something with them. Do the whole 30 with me, do keto with me, go do the spin class with me. You know, there's always going to be those people and there's a healthy amount of that. And then there's an unhealthy amount and especially anything to do with following diets or nutrition things, they are never going to work. I know it sounds fun. I know you get excited. I know you just read this book or you join this Facebook group or you whatever, But diets that are very regimented and strict and short-term are meant to be short-term. They're never like long-term followable. So it's probably not a good idea. (laughs) But if your friend is like, hey, I'm my uh, dietitian or nutritionist or whatever is having me follow this thing where I'm removing gluten or very like very specific, scientifically well-known irritants to the body and they want somebody to join them with that. That's totally something I would support, you know, like I would say like, yeah, you probably would do well to try to reduce your gluten. Like most people, especially in the United States, because I mean, go listen to my gluten episode. (laughs) Um, Most people do better to reduce gluten in general. So that's something that might be good. But reducing or removing a bajillion different foods uh, and potential common allergens or intolerance, probably don't do that. It's probably not going to last well. So that's just a little bit of my thoughts on um, people in your life that might be influencing you negatively and keeping you also on this hamster wheel because I, like, I totally get it. It's super fun to just join in on something crazy and strict with a friend. But if it's totally keeping you stuck, like it's not working, it's not working then at all. And the last bit of this list that I have made is going to be kind of the worst topic that you're going to want me to say out loud, but I'm probably not the first person to say this. (laughs) But the one of the biggest ways right now I am seeing people sabotage their health journey is watching and or consuming way too much social media in the health space, and it leaves you in comparison or confusion. That is probably almost everybody who follows a multitude of health authorities or uh, inspiration on any social media platform, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, YouTube, etc. If you are watching way too many various voices, which odds are you are, especially if you're scrolling on health talk or any version of that, you're going to get this clusterfuck, for lack of better words, of people's opinions. And people's opinions come from their backgrounds and everybody's background is unique and very narrow. Like in reality, unless it's somebody who's like a 60 year old talking about their 45 or 50 years working with a multitude of people and living in various states or countries, everybody's got a very narrow, narrow scope, you know, even with schooling, you know, it's really hard to get a very well-rounded experience to be able to talk to the masses the way that the masses are consuming this information. And if that concept didn't just blow your mind, hopefully you should. Because when you really think about it, 
everybody's coming at you from their own narrow little space. Like even me, I have a pretty wide experience, but at the same time, I'll never say that it is like the most all encompassing experience. Cause it's like, I've never lived in Kansas. You know, I've not lived in any of the Midwestern States, not even technically the East coast. I have a lot of East coast clients. Uh, so I do know a lot more of what the culture is like over there, what food is more available, what the lifestyle is more like, etc. especially since I visited there. But even at that, my scope really lies in like where I've been. So I can get an idea of why it's so hard to have a higher protein diet in Italy because they are very grain-based in a lot of their inland in Italy because I've been there and I've observed it or what foods and stuff are available in Thailand because I've now fortunately been there as well. But when I, I can only take from where I've been. And that's the same thing for everybody that I see online. There's so many people who are trainers who literally just logged in and did the time online and did their test online and got a certification from ACE to be a certified personal trainer. And then they're going around giving like fitness advice and sometimes like nutrition advice where they don't actually even have the scope for that. And you're getting all these people who are fit and look a certain way and whatever, or lean, la la la, fit the picture of what you think that you want to look like. And so you take their word as gold. And then now you're living by some randos advice. And oftentimes a lot of us don't even check the qualifications. We just consume whatever they say and we take it as like truth more often than not, unless it's something that like blatantly we already know isn't true. A lot of the times I'll get clients telling me like my funniest one I can always pull off the top of my head is one of my clients said, I don't know if this is true or not, which I do love the fact that at least she says that, (laughs) but Somebody who's a, something like a therapist or I don't know, something in that zone said that the only way you can get rid of cortisol in your body is through crying. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like what? We would have to cry so much because we all have cortisol so much, you know, like that is a way that we can encourage the reduction of cortisol because it is a natural method that the body does to help reduce our stress. So crying is something that is a stress reliever and has some of that effect, but it is not the only way we get rid of cortisol. Like that's completely silly that somebody would put that out there like that. But that's an example of something guys that you're going to hear on TikTok or Instagram or anywhere where somebody thinks that there's some like a God in the health of, of, or in the health space in general And they're going to just say something that most often than not, you're not going and researching afterwards. You're not going to be like spending a bajillion hours cross comparing uh, different peer reviewed articles about this or that, because almost all science is um, refuted. You always want to be able to prove, disprove the bias, you know, and all that concept in general is rooted around Is this something that is always true or is it only sometimes true? What are the confounding variables, aka what things externally could have influenced what ended up happening? There's so much that goes on in this stuff. And sometimes we just read the titles of like scientific things and then we'll get these like health gurus online that just like spit it out or they saw that somebody else put it up there or somebody who seemed like they were a like had enough clout to say something about it. So they're just going to say what they said, like the whole thing of like, Coffee right right away in the morning affects your cortisol. Only if you exceed 200 milligrams. Like, it's like a little asterisk in the bottom. Like, yeah, but you have to drink a lot of coffee. You have to have a, like, a Trenta of coffee, of of black coffee, (laughs) for it to negatively affect your cortisol for most of us, unless you're somebody who doesn't process caffeine well. But that's a more rarity, you know what I mean? So there's so much out there. That's all... All that I want to say without rambling too much is just that there's a lot of misinformation out there and we have to be really careful because it's sabotaging your health journey, following way too much of this stuff. And you will do well to pick three voices that you really trust that align with each other because there's no good in following people that don't align with the other person's mentality or teachings. If you have somebody who's this hardcore just get up and do it fitness chick. And then you're following this nutrition chick who's trying to get you to calm the fuck down and like relax and nourish yourself and all this other stuff. 
you're not going to get anywhere because you're going to be like, I need to follow this hardcore fitness thing. But at the same time, I have to chill out and I have to try to be intuitive with my food. And, you know, like, do you see how those two things just don't work together? But a lot of us are passively doing that. We don't realize it because we want some sort of hardcore fitness thing to encourage us and help us get our butts in the gym. But then at the same time, we want somebody who's going to teach us how to take care of ourselves better and be more in tune with our body, which does not look like just making yourself work out for no reason at all, other than to just get it done and be hardcore, you know? So all of these things are important for you to observe because what you're consuming every day is inherently affecting you all the time. And we don't even realize it. Sometimes we think like, oh, I'm just scrolling and it's kind of interesting. Your brain can't keep up with the way we consume information anymore. It's called um, information overload. And it's a situation that we're dealing with a lot more Now that we have social media that is so fast paced, Um, that's the huge downfall to TikTok, honestly. And I think, frankly, it's why a lot of you have not seen me on that space yet, no matter how much I've talked about getting on it. And I do want to because I love the more relaxed interface of it and the reach is larger there, but I don't like the overconsumption. Like, I don't like that there's just so much constant information that you're just flicking through like every second, like every second, every second. It's not good for the brain and it trains the brain to be very distracted. And it definitely is a lot of relation to why we don't have the ability to hold attention on things because attention is like a muscle. You have to train it and practice. That's what meditation does. It's like what the monks are practicing everywhere holding your attention on something is a skill. And if you are practicing the complete opposite by following things like TikTok and stuff that untrains that or basically trains you to get really good at being distracted and not holding attention, of course, everyone's going to start thinking they have ADHD or ADD. You know what I mean? And those are really actual real disorders of the brain. I mean, they probably have a different term for that now because I know that Some people are finicky about the term disorder, but I will just say that that is attention deficit disorder. That's part of the name. There are people who legitimately have that before there was even something like TikTok. But then we get people after the world of like TikTok and stuff that also have this whole thing. And so all that to say, like by design, social media is just grab your attention, hook you in, and your brain is just consuming, consuming, consuming. And at night, your brain is like, a whole ton of information that it just absorbed, even if we're not cognizantly thinking of it in the moment or consciously rather. Um, and then it has to decide what are we flagging to put forever or put for temporary or just lose altogether. Because that, if you don't know what that sleep stages do in your brain at night, that is what your brain for memory is doing at night. It's flagged things that are important or not important, depending on how you consumed it. And this is problematic because now you're getting all this conflicting information. Like maybe if you're like my client, let's say you're my client. Okay. Kale's told me this, but I just saw this chick wearing a nursing jacket said this, you know, and in reality, most nurses don't do any nutrition schooling. They do like a few categories. And I'm saying this because I've had a lot of nurse clients who have told me this before. And I've had a lot of doctor friends go through schooling. And I've always asked them the same question. Did you do any schooling on nutrition? Almost all of them said I spent maybe 30 minutes on it. They basically told me about the Mediterranean diet. They basically told me so too much sodium is bad. And you know this or that. All the generic stuff that we hear coming out of the CDC and stuff. Because that's not their scope. Their scope is so wide in so many other things that they don't specialize in it. Hence why there's nutritionists and dietitians and people who do specialize in nutrition. Not to say that nurses and doctors can't specialize in that, but for general schooling, they don't. So then you get this person who's wearing like a nurse jacket and is maybe a registered nurse, but didn't do any schooling on nutrition, but based off of their very small scope of what they've experienced and heard through their like medical schooling, they say that stuff back and they don't actually know that maybe what this nutritionist has said on hers about her clientele that she works with is actually true. And they just haven't experienced it yet because that's not their scope. Just because you didn't hear about it in your medical schooling doesn't mean that it's not possibly true. Um, And same goes the opposite way. You know, sometimes there's a lot of alternative medicine stuff that is possibly a little too out there. Maybe it's not actually legitimate either, you know. 
there's so many things out there. There's so many voices. So all that to say, I want to leave you guys with this concept that we have to be very careful and intentional about who we follow and what we follow on social media. You should unfollow anything that makes you feel icky and in comparison to unfollow so many voices that are confusing you. If you are scrolling on health talk and you just feel like you left that with so many questions, you probably should stop doing that for a bit, especially if you really want to make some progress. I know a lot of people think that following health talk and hearing these different things is helping you stay motivated, but in reality, it probably isn't. It's probably making you more confused and forgetting about the other stuff that is actually going to push you in the right direction um, or encourage you into the right way to actually make long-term progress because the underlying theme, I will say this to the end of my days of what actually works for people is adherence and adherence just means finding a routine and a lifestyle that works for you and supports your goals, passions, and happiness alongside your health. And so achieving that is not as hard and fancy as a lot of things online make it seem to be. And you really need to embrace that concept the most you can if you really want to have success long term and get off this freaking hamster wheel of dissatisfaction with your health because you're not adhering when you continue to do different things and that is possibly the root of your challenges is that you're not just sticking to the plan you're not just trusting the process and you're not just learning what maybe you are actually doing wrong or being real with yourself that like I'm just constantly drinking too much alcohol like I'm having way too much frequent alcohol or I'm just having too big of treat meals on weekends or you know whatever it is just be real with yourself call yourself out be like yeah okay I'm not actually making that much progress because I'm not really paying attention to my food as good as I can you know I'm not really sticking to my workout program just be real okay and you're gonna have a lot more success and long-term progress the moment you get raw and real with yourself and also the moment that you stop following all this external influences that are derailing you and confusing you and all that stuff so I hope that was helpful for you guys and I hope you kind of got the full gist of everything I'm talking about because I know this is a big one and um it's there's a lot of little soapboxes and tangents I might have gone on, but they're all very important. And I tried to keep them as concise as possible so that you guys can understand from real life experiences, from my real clients, from myself and from just people in general that I know and ways that we can do better because we just we just want to keep doing better, you know. I just want to take a moment to reflect on the powerful insights that we've talked about and just that I hope you understand that becoming mindful for our self-sabotaging behaviors is really not an easy task. I totally understand that. And I might be asking or telling you a lot and it's going to be a lot to process. Maybe you have to listen to this over again. That's totally welcome. But it's an essential step towards achieving your true well-being and your happiness overall in your life. Self-sabotage can manifest in countless ways, but it's crucial to remember that acknowledging these patterns is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength and courage, and it takes courage to confront our flaws, and it takes even more courage to take action towards that so you can get to that positive change that you want to get off that hamster wheel, you know? So just know that you do have the power to break free from these self-limiting behaviors because each day you have that new opportunity to choose self-compassion and self-care because you are absolutely deserving of love, kindness, and understanding from yourself and others around you. And I want to make sure that you understand that like progress, no matter how small it is, is still progress. I love the quote that's little by little, a little becomes a lot. So whatever you're doing, even if it's a little, even a little, even little, little, it is still progress forward and it will become a lot more in the long run. So do know healing and growth are just not linear journeys. So don't hold yourself back from that just because you don't feel like you are not constantly going upwards and onwards. (laughs) Do know you're going to drop down and back, but then you drop it low and pick it up slow and move it all around, you know? (laughs) If you got my reference, you're amazing. (laughs) But anyways, um, I also want to extend my heartfelt gratitude to you for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode. And I hope that your reflections on your own possible struggles on any of the concepts I've touched on today are something that you understand you're not alone with. 
and that you can find some healing and some growth overall. So you are worthy. You are enough. I hope you embrace your journey and just remember that, that you have strength to overcome any obstacle. But that is today's episode. And I hope that you share this with anybody you think needs to hear it. I think almost all of us need to hear it, you know, but I know it's, it's a big chat, so it can be a little bit emotional for some people or big eye openers, you know, but I think that that's even more of a reason to share this topic. Even if you just have this conversation with somebody, I would love for you to do that. Also, if you like this episode, give us a little five stars. If you would love to rate us on whatever platform you're listening to or share a nice little um, review, I would love to see your thoughts. But as always, celebrate your strength and nourishment, walk with confidence, and I'm going to catch you next week on another episode of Rebel Wellness. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode of Rebel Wellness. If you've been enjoying our conversations around health, fitness, and wellness, we have some exciting news for you. We've recently launched an Instagram page for the Rebel Wellness podcast, where we'll be sharing inspiring quotes from every episode, behind the scenes moments, and updates about upcoming episodes. So be sure to follow us at Rebel Wellness Podcast on Instagram to stay connected with our community. And it's growing, so I'm really excited about it. That's not all, though. I also want to introduce you to at Coach by Kales, which is my flagship fitness and wellness coaching business, as I am so passionate about empowering individuals like you to live their healthiest and most enjoyable lives. So if you would love to join me there as well, follow my page for daily inspiration, fitness tips, nutrition tips, sometimes even healthy recipes as well as debunking more myths around the health and fitness industry in general. By following both pages, you'll be joining a community of like-minded individuals who are all committed to living their best lives as well. So don't hesitate, hit that follow button and join us on this journey to wellness. Again, thank you for listening and I hope to catch you on the gram.